Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in, and we hope you're encouraged. You may be seated. Uh, as we said before, there's these great truths of the supremacy of Christ over everything else, right? And then we get these warnings. There's these warnings that come up in Hebrews. There's warnings of, okay, but if you, if you thought that it was bad, if you saw the value in, in following what was said before, in, in chapter two, it actually says, therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For the word spoken through angels, which would be the law, proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. How shall we uh, escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That was our first warning in chapter two. If the words of proved steadfast, and remember we said they did, like if you followed God and you followed the law, you were in a position of blessing. And we saw that. We, we've harped on it many times, but it's important to, to note that staying in, in unison with God allowed you to have God in the camp and blessing on the camp. And so every time that they would stray away from that, bad things happened right? All kinds of, they would be defeated. When sin was in the camp, it was an absolute nightmare disaster, right? And so there's a warning that, hey, if that proved to be true, how much more so for the, the salvation that we've received? How much more so should we pay attention to that, which is like the fulfillment of all of it? So that was the first warning. We're getting the second warning here. This is a quote from Psalm 95. And it says the Holy Spirit uh, is the author through the writer. That's the Holy Spirit. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. They didn't believe, there's, start with, they didn't believe they could take the land. Go in, take the land. Joshua and Caleb's like, yeah, we got this. So it, it's got grapes, it's got figs. It's truly the land flowing with milk and honey. The land of rest, the, the, the end of wilderness wanderings. It's right there. What do the other people say? We're like grasshoppers. They're giants. There's no way. The other 10 spies, there's no way we can take this land. And God's like, are you kidding me? Did you not see what I did? Do you not remember what I did? How I brought you out of Egypt through the plagues, through literally the partings of the sea? Who oh, I've literally had you following a, a pillar of fire and a cloud? How I've been raining down manna and quail on you for food. And you think this is impossible? So there's the idea is like, man, they, they were hardening their hearts again towards God. So he's, he's frustrated with them. And he's like, man, you guys are not going to enter into my rest. Despite the radical rescue from slavery, despite everything they were going on, they were still lived in unbelief. They were still unbelieving. And the idea of unbelief is, is really misunderstood, I think, uh, in our culture or even in, in the church. We think of unbelief as, man, I kind of have doubts about a few things. I, I don't have answers for all these things. That is not really what unbelief is about. Unbelief is a lot more willful than that. Unbelief is choosing not to believe. 
That's really what unbelief is about. It's like you've got all the data in the world, but it's choosing to not believe. Unbelief is sin. That's where it's most commonly seen. It's unbelief says, God says to do this. I think I know better. And usually the people that say, I left because I had hard questions and no one had answers. We're going to find out in this text, and we actually know from experience, it's usually when they get to that point, it's because their hearts are long gone. They've already been doing their own thing for a really long time. And so now you're looking for justifications and we're the best justifiers in the world of ourselves. We all should have law degrees for how well we can represent ourselves to ourselves in court. And we won again. And yet we lost. This is a heart issue. And, we, and so easy for us to say, how in the world did you guys forget what God did? So you go, oh, well, you know, that was kind of a long time ago when he split the sea. It's kind of a long time ago with the Passover and all the plagues. And it's kind of a long time ago when uh, we saw him hanging out with Moses at the camp, um, you know, up in the mountain. It's kind of a long time ago. No, but you got manna today. You were eating today. Like it's right in front of you. And so we go like, how in the world, how could you guys be so dense? And yet we recognize how much have we been saved from? And yet we start waddling and hanging around in doubt and unbelief. Maybe this really isn't where I belong. Maybe actually there is a more to this. Maybe actually I don't need to say no to myself in that way. Maybe I'm stifling who I'm really supposed to be. So it's, it's easy to look at somebody else and go, I mean, you guys are way off and we forget ourselves. We are so prone to do this. And we've received so much more than they did. As much as, as big flash in the pan, we've got the living God inside of us, the Holy Spirit inside of us. We've been literally saved. We now have access with God. He speaks to us and convicts our heart on a personal level. It's amazing. So it's, it's, but it's important to understand this is a heart issue and this is going to keep coming back. It's going to, we're going to see it multiple times this morning as we study this. And really this is a two-parter. It goes into next week into chapter four as well. The idea of rest. And this is a, a very tricky subject because people go like, wait, what? You know, when you read the scripture, like, wait, what is it talking about? Especially when we get into it more uh, next week, but it's, it's, really makes sense. And it's a heavy word. Thing is about Hebrews is, is that it should be convicting all of us in a dynamic way. How, how much do we need conviction? We need to know, don't we? I mean, it's, it's so easy to kind of like, uh, have people encourage you along the way, but you know, there's something rotten inside that needs to be dealt with. And the thing is the word of God brings this kind of stuff up. It pierces us. It slices and dices the stuff that's like, gotta go. I was talking with a friend. He was frustrated with, because uh, he looked into like some of the, how, you know, church growth models. And, and he said, one of the things that they say is you want to say something that doesn't offend people or bum them out, but you want to challenge them just enough too. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not, I don't think I'm very good at this. You know, this is why, this is why we don't sell tickets to come to church. You guys, you guys are faithful. Welcome, you know, but it's like, dude, I, I have no desire for that. I'd rather know the truth. I'd rather have the real thing because otherwise nothing really changes. And we pat ourselves in the back. I'm so good. I go to church. I was kind of challenged today. I'm going to be the best me I can be. It's like, 
okay, I need Jesus to radically transform my life and my heart because my heart is, is so prone to, be, to start being overwhelmed and overcome by unbelief, by the way I live. Okay, here we go. Verse 10, therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray. Where? Where? In their hearts. They have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. They always go astray in their heart. Every time starts in the heart. Every time it starts in the heart. That is the first place it always starts. And there's a deception that it starts in the mind. No, it starts in the heart before it starts in the mind. It is in the heart to will this first. Your heart, when your heart exits the scene, you will slowly justify every other thing. And that's why people are willing to be convinced with like not very good data because they already want to go where they want to go. How do we know this? Because we do this. If you really want to go eat at In-N-Out today, you're going to find a way to get to In-N-Out today. And you're going to justify it that today is my cheat meal day if you're on a diet or whatever. Or you go, you know what? It's not my cheat meal day because I already had four of those this week. But that's a Christian company and they deserve to be supported. And Chick-fil-A is closed. So my options are limited. You know? And, and now, you know what? We should get, we should get some, some from in and out because I know now you're going there. A lot of you are going right now because, you know, it's like this is an ad, right? But the idea is like, if you start going there, you're going there. There's like a, a part to that. Where you're, where you're already thinking about it, well, that's the next step. That's the next thing. You know, I think Tori noticed it years ago where I, I, uh, I started talking about a mountain bike. <laughs> I really, have you seen this mountain bike? And she's like, uh, no, I haven't. Uh, look at this deal. <laughs> she's like preparing. It's coming. The bike is coming, you know, because the heart's already there, man. I'm looking at my old one and I'm like, what do you even call yourself a bike? You know, you, then you sell it to someone who's dying to get that one and you get the other one, right? I'm sure it goes with everything, right? Surfer, same thing. I hate this board. You loved it when you got it and it was the best thing ever. But now you got to get the other one, right? And then you have how many weeks of swell? Three or something, right? And then you break how many of those boards? You just kind of, yeah, okay. Sorry, guys. Yeah. We all have that, though. When our hearts go a direction, it might be a vehicle. It might be a house. It might be whatever, all kinds of things. A person. You could see it. The heart goes there. And the heart really is the issue. So what, we, what have we been talking about with the men? Uh, the armor of God. Guess what this week was about? Thank you, Lord, and your divine providence. The breastplate of righteousness. What does that cover? really the whole torso. We talked about this a little bit with the guys uh, yesterday too. The heart, it starts in the heart. The heart needs to be protected. We got to stay soft with a soft heart, unpenetrated by things that will destroy us and kill us. It all starts with the heart. All starts with the heart. And so that's why he says they, when he says they go astray in their heart, so how does that play out practically? God of salvation saves them. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing. And they're just so overwhelmed, they can't believe it. And then all of a sudden they go, I'm sick of manna. 
We used to have it better. Remember, we used to have onions in Egypt, and you're like, I'm an onion hater. So I'm like, what? Onion? You just want onions in Egypt, you know? Just hang out. You'll get to the promise. Milk and honey, I'm down with that. I'm not lactose intolerant, you know? Let's go. But they're like, remember how it used to be? And they forget all about the slavery that they were a part of. They forget all about how evil, and that their kids were being killed. Their boys were being thrown in the river. What in the world is there to go back to? But their hearts had already moved off of it, off of God. And they decided again, just like what started with Adam and Eve, I think I can make my own way. Really, it started with Satan. I can do, I can do this myself. I'll make my own way. Their hearts are moved. They've gone astray with their hearts. Um, Ezekiel, we talked about this in our, our uh, men's group, Ezekiel 36, the promise of the heart. Ezekiel 36, 24, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all unfilthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes uh, and you to keep my judgments and to do them. It, the change of the heart was everything. A heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Proverbs 4, uh, starting in verse 20, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away uh, from you deceitful mouth and perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids uh, look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet uh, and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. Guard your heart. It's the wellspring of life. So the issue that was going on with the Israelites in the wilderness is the same issue we have to face today. Is that our hearts can be very, very deceptive and deceitful, especially when they've been contaminated. But the good news is, what Ezekiel was looking forward to is the day when there was going to be a new heart, a new, uh, the, the spirit of the living God living inside. When that would happen, we have that. So now we have this place where we can be renewed. So we can enter into that rest that's found in him. And let me ask you this. If your heart's wrong, is there any sense of rest? No. No, because if your heart is off on a, you know, it's down the road and it's been led astray, there's no peace anywhere. There's no hope for peace even anywhere. So we find ourselves looking to the Lord to change that. The breastplate of righteousness, why is that so important? Because everything has to do with the heart, right? The first part is the truth, the belt of truth, then the breastplate of righteousness. Guard your hearts. And then you say, Lord, show me where my heart is twisting a little bit. We kind of know a lot of times. You know who knows even better? If you're married, your spouse. They'll tell you exactly when your heart's off. There's a problem here, and I see it. You know, if you're not married, a good friend, someone who's really in on your life, 
they can see it. Because by the way, you're not very good at hiding it. Can I explain that to you? When your heart's not there, it's really obvious, right? Like say, you, you can tell, say you're dating someone back in the day or whatever, or maybe you're there now, but when someone's moved off of you or have you moved off of them, it's pretty obvious, right? You're just like, I'm uninterested. <laughs> you're sitting there like, how much time do I have to wait to end this? And both sides feel like, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. You just like, don't look at me like you like me. It's like, well, I don't. But I try want to still try and seem like I'm a nice person. Right? And so, the, but, but it's obvious. It's not, it's very clear. And so what's interesting is that we can all tell it in ourselves even better than, or people can tell it in us better than we can tell in ourselves because we think we're so good at hiding it. And we also, again, are so good at justifying. But the promise is that, you shall not enter my rest because of what has happened in your hearts. Happened in the children of Israel, happens with us. Now, this gets really interesting. Verse 12, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living, of, living God. There's three things here worth noting, and it's a progression. It's a progressive step. Okay, and so we've got to really pay attention to this because this is, this is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous thing. So please pay attention to this. Beware. That tells you something, right? Beware. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart. Start with the heart. God, search me and know me. Reveal to me what is unclean and impure. Start in the heart before the mind justifies. Your heart moves off, your mind justifies. That's what a lot of people would say. Oh, I'm I'm leaving the church. This was the, a previous generation, more like the millennial issue. I'm leaving the church because, you know, I, I just don't, I don't know. If I, I'm looking for truth. I'm trying to find truth. The next generation, Gen Z, they don't even want truth to exist to some extent, you know? Not, not, not all of them, but like that's what's being pushed on, on that next generation. So you, we can't say, oh, it's about truth or, oh, it's about this or, oh, it's about that. No, that's just a any way our minds can justify because the truth is kind of coming out. That's what it ends up, it all comes out in the wash, right? Like I could tell you, you know, and you could tell me, look, that path is not going to end well for you. I know, biblically speaking, it's not going to end well from you. Uh, from experience, it's not going to end well from you. Uh, and you go, that's not true. You are deceived. You are wrong. Now, what ends up happening? You reap what you sow. And so you end up at that place when you realize, oh man, that was not what I thought it was. That was not good, just like you said it wasn't. So now we have to redefine what is good. Because if the, the proof comes out in the pudding, you go, oh, okay. So now what do we do? We have to reframe it. And we become master manipulators of everything around us to try and avoid the real issue, which is our heart. So you, and, and it's so easy to do. Here's, here's I guess, a way of knowing if we're, you're in that place. Everyone else in your life is stupid. Everybody else is dumb. No one else gets it. No one else gets you. You're, you're unique and no one gets you. And no one has, no one is worthy enough to speak into your life. If you're in that place and you still have ears to hear, take heed right now. You are in a dangerous place, my friend. 
because we can all be there. We've all been there at one point. How many of you guys can say, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand. Have you been there? I am, Lord, thank God I'm on this earth to bring some sort of order to the chaos that is around me. It's like, yeah, no, you are, you are the, the number one suspect of this. But you become delusional and you start building up all these walls around you and you start uh, manipulating and you start, uh, it, because it's so important to like keep ourselves from being, you got to deceive ourselves so we don't actually have to feel bad about the problem. What, what's the result? Not good. You know what God's response to that is? We've said it multiple weeks in a row now. It keeps coming up. Why? I don't know. God wants to use that, right? We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We confess. We keep short accounts. He cleanses us. Starts with the heart. What happens next? Unbelief. Unbelief is the practice. It's how it's played out. It's how a hard heart lives its life. That's what unbelief is, right? It's not, a, and it's not about mental assent, about what we think we practice, because we're really good at that too. That's another mind game we like to play. I believe in this, and I believe in this, and I believe in this, and I believe in this. And you're like, wow, that sounds like the Apostles' Creed. That is so good, you know? That is so amazing. But it does, it's, it's, it's really about what your lifestyle says you do and believe. Because we all have those things where we, in principle, believe it. But your lifestyle tells you what is your core belief, what you really believe. That's a, that's a great litmus test. I say I believe that, but I don't actually believe that. I don't actually think that's actually that cool at all. I heard a message. It was Tim Mackey, Bible Project guy. And he was talking about how this, this issue... And he said that he um, was in Portland. And he said one of the things he loved about that city is that how uh, easy it is to walk, pedestrians to walk. And this is probably before, you know, everything was getting firebombed. But um, how, like, if you'd walk into the street, people would move their, or they'd stop their cars no matter what, if there's a crosswalk or whatever. And he's like, this is just so cool. And he was telling his friend about it. And he said one day he was driving and, and he was driving at a speed that he's like, oh, this guy will cross in time. And then the guy started walking real slow. He said he had a swagger, you know, just walking so slow. And so he's like, I'm still slowing down. I'm giving him time. And then finally, the guy starts walking even slower. And I like slam on my brakes. I'm like, what is he doing? And the guy's like, chews him out. And his wife says, weren't you just telling someone that you like love how much drivers uh, accommodate pedestrians? Like, and he says, yeah, I like it in theory. I don't like it in practice. Like, that's the idea. Like, where you, and we all have those places in our life. Like, oh, that sounds like such a noble thing. I love the idea of being generous unless I have to be the one to do it. I like the, the idea of being selfless. It sounds su such an amazing world. But what happens when you get the opportunity to do it right after you leave? Oh, <laughs> Well, I didn't expect it to not feel good right away. I, you know, but the, it all comes down to what we, the way we actually believe, our core belief is what will come out in our life. 
the way we walk, the way we live, the way we manage our lives, the way we raise our children, the way that we spend our money, the way that we uh, do everything. It's, that's your belief system. And that's okay. It, take it, though, as a, no, that's not really what I believe. It just is. So let's have a real hard look at it. That's just really where I'm at. And then you go, okay, well, God, here's access to that. Search me and know me. Tell me what's going on here. So evil heart starts with a heart turned. Starts with a heart that's straying. The next step, unbelief, right? It's not a lack of understanding or honest or having honest questions. That's really important, by the way. If you struggle with real questions about who God is, I was one of you big time. I, I could not rest on just people said so. I needed to know that God was real. I needed to know because I'm like, if I'm signing up for this, I've really got to believe it. I, I, I just don't want to be a pastor if I don't believe in God. No, you know, novel idea, I guess, right? But it was the idea is like, man, I really want to know. And so I'm, I'm not afraid of asking questions. And even now there's stuff where you go, okay, well, that's an interesting thought. Let's think about that. Or maybe there's no clear cut defined answer on that. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's have that conversation. That's not unbelief. So if you're really struggling with something and you want to talk about it, don't think of that in the same sense of unbelief. Unbelief is a heart turned knowingly in a sense saying, I don't want to live like that. I want to do it my way. That's unbelief. So what's the last part? In departing from the living God. That's step three. Departing from the living God. This is like the, the tragic conclusion. You end up departing. We know, we know this story way too well, don't we? Everyone in here has had someone in their life go this way, haven't they? That they started walking with God. They were, they were, they were charging it. You saw their heart change. They started valuing other things and they started kind of becoming a self-made man or a self-made woman. It's all about them. And then all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, they have all these reasons for why they don't need to follow. Unbelief. And what's the result? Depart from the what? Living God. So you lost your source to life. And unfortunately, the way that usually plays out is the, the, how great of a loss it was to walk away in a sense. You have to bury it that much harder and deeper to keep on going. I, I, I believe that the hard rock bottom you'll hit later can bring you right back to the Lord. And I pray that's the case. But the best thing we can do is search our hearts now and go, am I somewhere in this system? Am I somewhere on this progression? Am I somewhere in here? Am I messed up? I don't want to do this. You know, we pray and we pray for those who've departed from the living. It's kind of wild to talk to someone that you knew and you were like, had this real relationship with them and the Lord and didn't talk to them and you go, who are you? I like feel like I've lost, I don't know who you are anymore. And you think, I, that I always, I'm, I'm, I'm foolish in the sense where I think if I just have a good conversation with them, I feel like I'll be able to explain it in a way that they'll be able to get it. We'll, have, we'll be able to have a conversation. They'll end up in the right place on the other side of it. And, and that's us taking how, how deceptive our hearts can be very lightly. And so instead of doing damage control, 
we start at the beginning and we deal with root issues as often as you see them. And so there, there's the problem. Here's the solution. Verse 13, but exhort one another daily. Uh, while, it is still while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Quick response. That's the idea of what's still called today. Lest you become more hardened in your position. Exhort or encourage one another daily. You want to know, this is what's really important about this. The Christian life and the way to stay least deceived is to be around a lot of people that can speak into your life. This is the best way to not be deceived. Isolation, you, you are already deceived if you think isolation is the path to becoming more like Jesus. Becoming more, it's not good. It is not good. Is it more comfortable in some sense? Yeah, because who doesn't like being in a room where everyone says you're the smartest person in the room? It's because it's just you. So by default, but let me remind you, you're also the dumbest person in the room too. So we, we, we find ourselves in these kind of positions where you go like, man, I, what do I, am, I, am I making good decisions? Am I being wise? How would I even know? I, this, is, this takes like a lack of like, man, do I even have any clue what is going on in the motives of my heart? When's the last time I even checked the motives? When's the last time I even like looked at my life? Do I, where am I coming from on this? And are there any, is there anyone in my life that can talk to me and say, you know what? I don't know if that's the best thing for you. So that means it's important to have people in your life, exhort one another daily in your life often that are able to speak into your life. Because that's the other thing. You could be like, well, I mean, I go to a church with 5,000 people. Many of you know you go to church with 5,000 people. It's, those are sometimes the easiest ones to like get away without anyone knowing. I was talking with Michael about last week. He says, we know if we're going to this church, people are going to know who you are. And when you're not here for three weeks in a row or whatever, you know, they're going to be like, oh, hey, whatever. And there's no judgment in that. It's just the fact that there's a family element to it where you go like, we love you. We love one another. We care about one another. There's like a built-in thing where it's like, I, I, and there's genuine care. Hey, people ask me, I haven't seen this person for a couple weeks. Are they okay? And you find out, no, they're sick. They've been sick for a couple weeks. I didn't even know. That's a genuine care. That's an exhortation. People involved in the mess, in the mix together. I think the only way we can become more like Christ is to work it out in community. So it's like the idea of like a, you know, Trappist monk out in the middle of nowhere or whatever, you know, like, that sounds so holy, but like, if you're busy with like young kids, you're like, well, that actually is like, sounds like a place where I won't have to think about or worry about anything again. And that's just so chill, you know? But the, the, the people in your life are the ones that are causing sanctification and causing you to see your heart is wicked. When your kids are like, hey, will you do this? And you're like, I am so selfish right now. You know how selfish I am? Or you have a, if you have a spouse and they're like, hey, uh, will you do this? And you're like, can I do that next week? You know, no, it's like recognize people in your life around each other, surrounding one another, being real with one another. So the solution, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through deceitfulness of sin. Deal with it now while you can. Because there comes a point where hardening 
gets harder and harder and harder. You kind of see even with Pharaoh. And the hardness gets harder and harder. And we think we can control it. Oh, I got this. I got this. And then all of a sudden, you don't got this. I remember some friends taking some sketchy paths back in the day. That was like, I don't know if that's a good idea. And they said, hey, I'm, I'm doing this. And it was like a thing that I wouldn't recommend. But don't worry, I still love me some Jesus. That person is no longer walking with the Lord at all. Like to the point of like covering Christian tattoos. It's just such a subtle, simple path. We're warned of this all over the place in scripture. So verse 14, for we become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. We can, part of it is we recognize what God did in our own lives, our own Red Sea moment. And there's some dramatic testimonies in this room of what God has done in your life. There's some that are less dramatic. Thank God for those too. But there's moments in your life where God has done something. Let us not forget. We become partakers of Christ. We hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. So we remember what he's done and what he's begun, and we allow him to work it out up until the end. Today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is the idea. If you have ears to hear, listen, hear. If there's something that God is speaking to you and you go, I don't really want to deal with it, you might not be able to tomorrow in some sense, in the same way. So we respond here now, today. We're called to remain. Allow others into your life. Allow them to exhort you. Then he says this, a series of questions at the end. For who, having heard, for who having heard rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? So who rebelled? It started with the people with great potential. Saw God do an amazing thing. They were told, you've got a land waiting for you. Tons of potential. But it was those same people who said, uh, no. Never mind. Verse 17. Now, with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? Through unbelief, they missed out on the further blessings and the fulfillment of the promises. Like, so there's a part of it where you could go, uh, God will bless. He can, he can work out so many different paths in our life in some sense, right? But there's definitely things we miss out on because we don't get involved in them. You know, there's, there's things where you miss out because you just kind of did your own thing. And you miss out on big blessings in your life. And so they miss out. They got to see some cool stuff, but they ended up dying in the wilderness. Who wants that? We, we don't desire movies that end like that. Unless you're like very artsy and you just don't have enough pain in your life. So you just want to watch movies about pain, you know, good for you. I just don't have it in me. I'm like... Is it funny? Does it have a happy ending? I'll watch it. <laughs> if not, I can't do it right now. It's like, we don't want that. No one wants that. Verse 18, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Like, who did he say it to? Those who did not obey? So we could see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Unbelief, it's not static. And it just doesn't remain in one place. So we think unbelief is kind of like our us in neutral. Eh, 
I just, I don't know. I'm just like choosing not to believe that right now. No, it, it creates its own universe, its own body of work. Unbelief, it, it creates its own works. Unbelief creates its own mission and its own values. That's important to understand. You're not just static like, uh, I'm walking with God, but I just need a little bit of a rest as I climb this hill. No, unbelief is choosing that you don't trust God, but that you trust you over God. Or you trust what the world is throwing at us over God. So living in unbelief, we're building, we're building on a foundation. And when it's built, the results will be costly. 1 Corinthians 10 verses 1 through 6 talks about this. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. See all the symbolism there? But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Their eyes were off of Jesus. Their eyes were off of the God of provision. They, they, they lost their love. That's one of the things we see, right? This I have against you. You left your first love. You left your first love. And if we've left our first love, no matter how many degrees it is, we're now off track, right? And you recognize how big of a difference that makes over a long period of time. One degree off, a half of a degree off, a hundred miles down the road, where are you? A different county, you know, potentially, where are you? A thousand miles down the road? 50 years later, where are you? But we have a God who's so merciful and so gracious that he gives us this conscience where he's working on us and he's speaking to us. And he says, no, I don't want you to go astray. No, I want to search your heart. No, I want to bring stuff up in your life. How am I going to do it? Through the word. When you read it and you go, I don't really like that. Tough. You want to work through it? Let's work through it. Let's talk about it might mean you don't understand it. It also might mean that you don't understand what life is about, right? Or, or I. That's what I usually find out. It's like, oh man, that sounds inconvenient. That's usually what it is. But who, who's in charge? I trust you. Through prayer, as we're praying, God starts to shape us and mold us and make us more like him, the way we think, the way we, we, we move, the things we do, right? In community, that's a big deal, being around people. I love we had conversation after the men's thing. And, and on, on Wednesday mornings, we have really good conversation. Everybody adds in something. And it's just fun. We, we get to like sit around and, and talk. And you're like, whoa, I didn't think about it from that angle. Or someone has an experience. It's like, ooh, I need to listen to that. That's a warning call for me. Whoa. So we gather together. We encourage each other and we're around one another. I'm sure it's the same for the women. I'm just not allowed to come. So there's the part of that where we're, we're, we're with one another. We're, we're 
doing it all together. You come to church. Thank you for coming. (laughs) You're needed here and you need to be here. You're part of this. That's why some of the greatest, it said that some of the most important things that happen in a church happen 15 minutes before service and 30 minutes after. Why? That's when you guys hang out with each other and you guys talk to each other. So this isn't, you don't show up to a TED talk and then you leave. It's like, this is a community. I love our, our sharing where we get up and hang out with one another. That's so cool. I love that. Get involved in each other's lives. That's really important. And by the way, that also means when we come to church, we come with an idea and a heart to serve. We want to serve. We want to be used as God's ambassadors to exhort and encourage one another. That means we're involved in people's lives. So if you can, come a little early. If you can, stay a little late. No pressure if you can't. No legalistic trips or anything like that. But like, we are so much better when we're a community together. It's true with the kids. It's true with us. That's like kind of the idea of bringing back the barbecues. We're going to sit around and put our feet under a table together, right? And be able to hang out. Beach nights. That's the idea of beach nights. Before you know it, you find out you had like three 45-minute conversations with three different people. You're like, that was cool. And it was so nonchalant. You're looking at the ocean and all of a sudden you're in each other's lives. And you're like, how did that happen? We're just hanging out. Now I know all this, the issues and struggles, or not issues, well, all of them, but like stuff you're going through, hard things in life, community, worked out together in community. This is the way God designed it. And it reveals us to us where we're off and it reveals to us where God wants to bring us back on. And for a community of grace, where we all know we're all in the same boat and we're all like one second away from being in the same position off, we are constantly washing each other's feet and and loving on one another and bringing each other before the throne of grace. And we're saying, God, we, hey, hey, listen, there's mercy for you. There's grace for you. Let's do it together. That's what a good community, that's a real Christian Christ-like community. That's how it works. So um, in closing, if you have ears to hear, listen. It's one of the things it said to, to the churches in Revelation, right? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen, if you can hear, if God is speaking something to you, you might not be able to hear it in the same way tomorrow. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you and God bless.